All right. Hello, everybody. This is the third installment. Holy crap, we actually are doing this, Steve. The third installment of the Slammer Bros podcast. I'm Jack Slammer. With me, as always, is my non-kayfabe brother, Steve Slammer. Steve, how was your day so far today, buddy? It's doing pretty good. I had no idea we were turning free, you know? It, it feels like just yesterday. It was actually a couple days before yesterday, but... Hey, you know, things are going good. You know, Bitcoin is over 40,000 again. Boom. So that's good. You know, the heat wave here on the East Coast is breaking up a little bit because, uh, you know, I'm under a tornado watch right now. Oh, really? You're under tornado watch? I am. So, you know, hopefully the feed doesn't die here because I know that we have a lot to talk about today. But, you know, with the heat wave breaking here and... You know, it seems like things in the world that we love so much is is heating up. You know, we're we're 23 days out from SummerSlam in Las Vegas. Yes, we are 23 days away from SummerSlam in Las Vegas. Uh, weights again are at a reasonable price. So today, I actually I actually just said I actually just said fuck it, and I bought a home gym today. So I bought a squat rack. I bought the dumbbells. I bought a leg curl, leg extension machine, and I'm probably going to add some other nifty things to the home gym as well. So um, I, I was just looking. Weights are no longer being price gouged at this moment in time, but I do live in California, and things might get locked down again, so i got to be prepared. But that's here nor there. 23. Well, you're, you're an animal, man. Home gym? <laughs> Jeez. Dude, that's the thing. I just remember, though, having to prepare for a bodybuilding show with only, like, three pairs of dumbbells, an adjustable bench, and rubber bands, and uh, one of those door dumbbell bar- with, with, uh, one of those hanging pull-up bars. And that's amazing, an amazing workout if, if you're, you know, just getting in shape like I help my clients do with Slammer Fitness – but in our case, when, when you're trying to compete in a bodybuilding show, that's not the most ideal solution. But I still managed to get the win. But I had to I had to throw that out there. But, Steve, um, I, I have to I have to go back to the whole weather thing. So you're having a heat wave and a tornado. They, have they ever have they even had a tornado in New Jersey like ever? Well, you know, you know, it's funny because a friend of mine sent me a TikTok right before this, and it, it appeared to be a massive tornado outside of citizens bank park so i'm right outside philadelphia uh i believe that might be a doctored video perhaps but um yes i have seen tornadoes limited limited in scope you know because we're not out in the plains like like as if it was kansas but yeah uh yeah we do get them here from time to time and it just seems like lately you know with the with the heat waves being the way that they were like into the nine into the 90 degrees and then it just breaks with you know, massive thunderstorms and a little bit of tornado watch, but you know, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Well, yeah. And I also, I also have to comment. You have definitely upped your background game since the last show. I'm, I'm, well, the first show you didn't bother to make your bed. Second show. So hang on. So hang on. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. (laughs) So, so that was supposed to be a test of the software. And then at the end you're like, Oh, by the way, I'm just going to air this. And it's like, well, great. Bed's not made. You know, whatever, man. Just go for it. You know, I, I see what you did. You know, you, you set me up. You set me up the first time. A little double cross, you know, like in the biz. But, you know, it's all good. But anyway, continue. Continue. That was not a double cross. I'm, I'm giving you a compliment here. Every single every single show, you have stepped your game up. Now, then you made your bed. And you added a headset. 
and your headset's way better than my headset. And then you didn't give me the memo that we were supposed to bring our championship belts. And there you are with the coveted AEW uh, TNT championship of the world. And is that like an exact replica or is that a toy version? Oh, no, this is this is no toy. I don't oh. collect. I don't collect toys, sir. I have oh. I have a modest belt collection. A modest belt collection. How many? Tell the people at home how many belts you have. Ooh, uh, probably twelve right now. Twelve championships. And for for those of you, and you know, this is probably going to break the surprise, but uh, at Steve basically showed me every single belt that he owned when he told me that we're going to SummerSlam, and he said pick one. And oh, yeah. For me, and we'll probably get into this later on, like as these podcasts progress, um, Macho Man Randy Savage is my number one. That's my goat. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna rock a belt as a 32 year old man, as well everybody should at 32, you should do it at 63 in my opinion. I, it has to be the Intercontinental Championship because that reminds me of the Steamboat match, and I just that's the one I gotta rock. Like I have to rock that belt. It, it um, is a wise choice, sir. It is a very it, wise choice. Well, we 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 complain about this every time. For me, the the eight late or wait, I would say it was the mid to late '80s Intercontinental Championship was probably one of the most beautiful belts I've ever seen in my life. That would be the one where. Even if I was with the company, right, and I was just the IC champion, I would almost be like, "Don't, don't bump me. Just let me stay here. Let me keep this belt." All right. So, jam-packed show for today. We had uh, this time around. I actually got to watch all two hours of AEW, and honestly, man, I think AEW tested our theory. It was two hours worth of wrestling. <clears throat> When I felt bored on those little, like, a few of those moments that just didn't hit for me, it was one of those times when it was like, oh, I only got 45 more minutes of this as opposed to watching Raw, where you'd be like, hey, I got an hour and 45 minutes of my life I have to give for this crap. But we, uh, we're going to start with the opening segment of the match. I don't want to talk about the match itself. I would love to get your opinion on Hangman Page and Dark Orders. Uh, so let me set the stage for everybody. The opening match of AEW uh, Dynamite yesterday was the Elite, which consists of uh, Kenny Omega's team, who's the current heavyweight champion of the world, and against a guy named Hangman Page and the Dark Order. Um, it was set for a 10-man elimination tag team match and I want to know what your thoughts were just on that opening sequence with Hangman Page and Dark Order before they entered. Just the presentation itself. How would you feel about it? Well, you know, the, the, the continued miscasting of the Dark Order continues. And I'm sorry. You have... You, they're, they're clearly push, pushing Hangman Adam Page into the world title picture. You know, he's had this long-running thing with Omega back when they were the tag title or tag champions, and now they're moving into this heavyweight championship storyline. So they, they open with this video of, of, you know, the cowboy, you know, doing the cowboy stuff, and he's, his, his tag team partners are three guys in an S&M mask and John Silver. 
So right away I'm like, uh, you know, something doesn't work here. But then, but then, we get Omega and the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks coming out as the the Toon Squad. Is that what yeah. that was? I think it was. I, I they were they were clearly doing a Space Jam promo. That was that was paid advertising at its finest. That was Tony Khan not wasting a chance to cash a check. That's what that was. Sure it was. But why are the bad guys? coming in dressed that way because well, act- three of them because three of them are executive vice presidents of the company damn i did not know that part so here's here here was my initial thoughts on the entrances at first because you got to remember and for those of you watching at home AEW for me was like hey i'm flipping through the channel it's on oh this match looks great i'm going to watch a little bit of it and i'll catch bits and pieces of it this was the first time I ever caught the full product of AEW. And for me, I actually, um, while I do agree, there was some miscasting in terms of Cowboys. Like, you know, because if, if you're going to take the Cowboy approach, then you need to have some guys who look like Cowboys. <laughs> That's one thing. But I will say the production value of this thing kind of got this. It got me hooked at first because I was like, holy crap, this this feels like a UFC fight that's going to happen, right? And then the Hangman's team, they come out all dignified with the with the hand signal. It looks cool. The lighting, they come walking out like badasses. That part's great. Then to your point, the heels come out. And these are supposed to be the bad guys that we're all rooting against. They're actually... They're actually making this kind of a fun entrance. Like, they're having a good time, and it's fun. And part of me's thinking, why are they putting, like, four... They've got four pieces of metal out there right now. And by pieces of metal, I mean the championships out. Because you got the the Young Bucks, the tag team champions. Kenny Omega's the champ. And then uh, they had one other champion out there. Who was that, Steve? Well, Hank, well, no, I mean, well, the the Good Brothers there, Gallows and Anderson, they're the Impact Tag Team Champions, but I yeah. guess the the continued dumping on Impact is is continuing because those titles are not even mentioned. But that's that's a whole other <laughs> that's okay. a whole other issue. But Omega is the is the World Champion, but he's also the AAA Mega Champion. He's also the Impact Heavyweight Champion. So he's got a lot of belts. He that's his thing right now. He's the belt collector. The belt collector. Okay. Not not on the level of me. But he, he, he is he is the belt collector right now. All right. So for those of you who didn't get a chance to see it, first they're dribbling basketballs, like they're being introduced like, as though they're they're a basketball team. They come out, they start like shooting shots, dunking the ball. This would be like goofy baby faces, not something I would expect from your world champion and your tag team champions. This almost feels like the miscast group, the Hangman Page squad, should have almost done this, and this should have almost been kind of a reversal of feels here is the way I felt about it. Um, I would say, though, I did have fun during the opening entrances, but then the match came, and I could... I like a little bit of silliness because I get it. It's the opening match. You're trying to get everybody to have fun, and we're going to get into some dark, dark stuff later on in the show. So let's just set the tone, lighten the mood, and then slowly drift into darkness. Bro, 
on what on what planet do just five guys like <clears throat> magically just miss the suplex and then everybody else just hits the same reversal? It was like totally choreographed. There was high spots for the sake of high spots, and before I'm gonna let you give your thoughts, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the one thing that pissed me off about this match just entirely, and then just ruin the whole thing. But I'm gonna let you go first. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing about nothing about the story and the way that this was booked makes sense. So, you know, it's the it, it's the opening match, and I get it. They're trying to be fun, you know, get the crowd into it, and the crowd was into it. However. You know, you're leaving out the fact that there were two stipulations attached to this match. The first was is that if if uh, the Dark Order and Hangman Page win, then the Dark Order gets a World Tag Team Title match against the Bucks. And the converse of that is also that if Page and his crew lose, then Page does not get his World Championship match with Kenny Omega. So, first of all, I I I can't stand the logic of babyface number one contenders putting their number one contender spot on the line. <clears throat> It yeah. makes no sense. It's stupid. I, I think the I think the, the logic is that they're supposed to be because they're good guys. Then you know they they'll take on all challengers. There's a difference between being a babyface and being brave and just being stupid. That's just stupid. But yeah. to your point, to your point, you know the the four-way simultaneous suplex in the ring, and then they get on the outside, and then the Bucks or one of the Bucks does the superplex off the off the ring post onto the floor where the other eight guys just so just so happen to be standing there mm -hmm. right it it's it looked overly fake <clears throat> the um the, the, and there's no there, there were no rules i mean th those guys were in the ring like left and right and as a matter of fact there was because they liked to the, the crap all over the referees there was one spot where they actually handed one of the supposed baby faces one of his legs to the referee and the referee assisted in having the bad guys get a spot in on the good guys it make it, it made no sense no it made no sense whatsoever um i would go in i would go a little bit deeper on this match i mean fuck uh first off it was too damn long it was 32 minutes all high spots and here's here's what i what made it totally i mean because okay look folks we understand that this is these are scripted contests but you need to be able to suspend your belief and what made me just completely out of it is no one had control of this entire match because there's a certain flow to a tag match where hey if when once you tag in your partner you both can you both can gang up on the guy for about five seconds then the other guy has to go back on the other side of the ropes right or it's, or it's similar to that Basically, towards the end of the match, Young Bucks would just jump in and just beat the crap out of uh, out of uh, Hangman Page anytime they wanted to. So the ref had no control. And by that point, I'm like, well, why don't they just run in there, hold them down, just beat the crap out of them, and then just hold them down and get the pin? Because clearly there's no rules here. So weak refereeing. And even Jim Ross brought it up. Jim Ross is like, yeah. hey, with this, you should have like two or three referees in the match. And what is bro, the rule well, that's well bro, oh. well bro real quick jim ross was the mvp not just of this match of the show because to your point about a minute in once all hell breaks loose because we're, we're only a minute in and jim ross said something to the effect of oh the referee is, is completely lost control that never happens here and actually <laughs> and actually you you get a you get credit for paying attention because later during the during the ftr match 
he actually made it a point to, to point out that yeah FTR actually uses the tag ropes and I was just like you know I just I just love that you know and it's it's almost like he's crapping on the product but in a passive aggressive way and I just I just I, I, I just get a kick out of his commentary during this but anyway you were saying no I'm, I'm just saying that ruined it for me what I will say the one good thing that I think this match did do and it's gonna make me keep it pay closer attention to hangman page because I do feel like they did get him over. He had to deal with some heels who were cheating. This made me like the guy a bit more. I was cheering for him because I was stuck watching this freaking bullcrap match. He did what he could to save it. The work that he did was good. I just feel like Kenny Omega's movesets are a bit cartoony at times. <laughs> um, plus, for me, here's the thing, and I think... I think this is a problem. Like, maybe Kenny Omega is fixable like Roman Reigns was, but I get the vibe with Kenny. It's like, this guy is not a main card guy. He shouldn't be carrying the belt. He's a mid-card dude. And if you if you ran him like a mid-card guy with this gimmick, I think it would be way more over, at least with guys like us, because your expectations would be lower. But this is not the guy to carry your belt. I'm hoping that he's just keeping it warm for a guy like Hangman Page because I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, hey, you know what? This guy could be a champion. He's not bad on the mic. He's good in the ring. His moveset is that of uh, of a wrestler who I could see in a main event. So that's the one good thing, bright spot of this match. And I will say there were moments I was mildly entertained. Like, I do appreciate a good high spot when it makes sense. None of it made sense, but, you know, I do appreciate good athleticism. Um, you, mean, you mean a, a high spot like uh, like the the springboard, grab the basketball, slam dunk through the basketball net, completely miss the dunk, spike tombstone <laughs> pile driver on the ring floor? You know what? That was creative. I, that was one of the spots was, where I was like. It, it was creative, it, but stupid. It was creative but stupid, but, I mean, the whole match was fucking stupid, so, you know, you might as well try. What The cool spot I liked, though, and I, I, my apologies for not knowing the wrestler's name, these were the two guys, they went and they fought in the crowd, and then I loved how the one dude actually got on the barricade with the crowd behind him and actually jumped uh, and did uh, jumped off with the flying attack. That was pretty cool. And then they both got counted out. So I was like, wait, wait, wait. So you got count outs here, but you can't keep the right people on the other side of the uh, on the ropes and actually make people use the tags. Um, I hope they don't do a match like this again, unless they have a referee, more referees, or at least an enforcer outside. Like, try to make this thing to where it has some semblance of rules. That's what I would say. Um, I'm gonna hold my letter grade. What was your letter grade on this match? Well, so before I get to my letter grade, I gotta, I have to respectfully disagree with you on a few things. Okay, let's see it. So you, you made a comment about Adam Page got over. I, I think Adam Page is over, and I think that this match absolutely cut his legs out from underneath him. Really? So Adam Page is, is the number one contender for the world title. <clears throat> he puts his number one contender spot on the line in this match. So if he loses, he doesn't get the title match. And then he loses. Ah. Now, now I think that they think that it's just him overcoming adversity. And, and he's do, they're doing this side angle where he's like he's questioning himself and he's not good enough. And But the bottom line is, is you could have accomplished that without writing yourself narratively into the corner of he just gave up his world title match. Yeah. Okay. That now, I agree with you. Now, based on 
other things that are happening, which we're going to get to as we talk about this, I'm wondering if they're actually backing off the Adam Page world title push right now. Oh, because they got a certain person coming back. They have a couple certain someone's coming coming in the door. And if your champion is the super over baby face Adam Page, home, you know, homegrown talent, homegrown, as homegrown as a two year company can be. What is that going to do for the the big ticket, big money guys that you're about to bring in who are going to be incredibly over? So I, I think that this. I didn't get the feeling that it was them completely stopping it. I got the feeling that they were hitting pause on it right now. And that's a shame because that just means that you're delaying the story, which they've been working on, you know, a slow burn for a while now since they were the tag team champions. And it makes me wonder where do they go from here? So, you know, everything about this seemed designed to diminish him. The partnering, the continued engagement of the Dark Order, which I do not understand at all. And then, like I said, putting his title match on the line, they, he loses the match. And it doesn't matter how he lost the match. He lost the match. He doesn't have the title shot anymore. So where are they going to go from here? What's he going to come out next week and demand it? Omega's the heel. He'll say, no, piss off. So, <clears throat> so I don't know. So, you know, with, with that being said, <clears throat> I like I like action. I like to, I like, you know, I, I'm not necessarily one of those people that likes like a lot of mat wrestling. I like to see, I like to, I like to be mixed up, but this completely, again, I, I said it during the raw preview that we did. This insulted my intelligence in ways <laughs> that I can't even begin to comprehend the, the, the spot with the basketball hoop and the spike pile driver. I just, this, this did not work for me. I don't know what they're going to do with Paige from here. I get the sense, like I said, that they're just putting pause on it, and that's a shame. So with that being said, if you want me to grade the match, I'm, I'm, I know you're going to disagree with me. I have to give it an F. You're giving it an F. Okay. No, I don't disagree with certain parts. Like, so the, uh, the part with Paige now being put on ice, that's the part that I missed about the, the match itself. So... I missed the preview there. So knowing that information, I have a somewhat different perspective here. Me as a guy just watching this product, not knowing who this guy was, this uh, this page guy, that's the guys I was looking at it where I was like, okay, who is he? I don't know who you are, but you look like a guy who could be a champion. Then I see you overcoming a little bit of adversity throughout the match. You almost come back. Heels have to cheat to beat you. And now that I know the information that you put forward just there, which is – Punk and Punk and Daniel Bryan are coming back, are coming to AEW, I should say. And those two guys are gonna, if if they do it right, are gonna enter in the building from two different sides and somehow I, meet in the middle. I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. There was no announcement of this. What what, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, oh. continue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well we'll we will get to that portion into the later of the show, but uh we'll save that, right? We will save the big reveal. Okay, <clears> so you give it an F. Me, I I don't disagree with you that much. So basically, I'm going to give it a D. And the reason why I'm giving it a D is because I like the beginning entrances because it got me hooked at least a little bit. Not the stupid basketball thing, but at least the serious promo. It made it actually feel like, okay, this is a TV product. They care about their product or they can at least do something with this product, right? 
then then the stupid fucking Space Jam thing came, and I'm like, all right, you got to make your money, whatever. And then, then I was under the guise of, okay, this is this is a uh, opening match. Normally, these are just to like kind of set the mood, the tone. Um, I like some of the spots. For me, as a person who did not know the full story, it made me like Paige more. Um, so I got to give it a D. Well, and and again, right? I mean, that that's that's my opinion. I yep. mean, you know, and and these matches and the way that they're drawn out, they they obviously affect different people differently, and everyone has an opinion on where they're going. And the only yeah. way we're going to be able to find out is to watch. But you know, what I will say is is the the F for me is is not about the effort because obviously these guys work hard and they yep. they try to come up with creative things. The problem is is that from the entrance to the spots to the finish. This match design, seemed designed to me to do, hey, we're going to do a bunch of cool things without any thought as to who is doing the cool things and how it fits into the roles that they're playing and the narrative that they're trying to establish here. If you want somebody to do the goofy Space Jam entrance, let the Dark Order do it. They're a bunch of jokes anyway. You know, why, <laughs> does, why, does, why do the bad guys, the bad guy champion the bad guy tag team champions and and the good brothers why do they have to come in to get ready for this and the space jam stuff and the stupid goofy nonsense with the basketball hoop it's because they just want to do cool things and it doesn't matter the fact that in my opinion and you know you 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 feel free to disagree and you did right you know you you felt like it made page more sympathetic to me they completely buried him yeah well, see, the thing is, though, I, I felt that way because I had not known what you were. So this is kind of like a first person's perspective who doesn't know, like, the full storyline going back. So I can totally see how we can go from different conclusions there because we're both entering from two different spots, right? You have more information on these characters. Me, I used this first episode to kind of get a lay of the land and see, okay, who's who, what's what. Um, you know but, what? You know what? I, I've, I've changed my mind because I also remember and I, I, ha I took a note I, and that jogged my memory Don Callis on commentary did refer to Kenny Omega as the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling now I'm going to assume he meant the, the baseball playing Michael Jordan so with that being said I will upgrade my score to an F plus F plus there we go baby see this is this is how this is how calm this is how peaceful respectful debates happen between <laughs> two smart marks slash brothers. Okay, so this next segment, uh, I f I fucking hated it, but uh, you you might have a different perspective. Uh, this was Ricky Stark's celebration for winning the FTW championship. Since you have a better lay of the land here, why don't you set up with why is this guy celebrating? the entrance to the celebration and why I, as somebody who's just tuning in the first time, should give a fuck about this guy. Well, you shouldn't because I don't, right? If you remember back during our Raw preview or during our Raw, our Raw review and I asked you the question about, you know, why should I care about who the 24-7 champion is? Yeah. Why should I care about who the FTW champion is? Okay, so for like, those, so let's, let's, let's back up one second. What is the FTW belt? So the FTW championship, the, the fuck the world title, is from ECW in the late 1990s, back when Taz was having his feud and he, and he couldn't quite win the ECW championship, so he created his own 
FTW World Heavyweight Championship. And so because AEW sometimes feels like, you know, a mishmash of things that we liked from the past brought into the present, they bring Taz in, Taz starts this stable, it starts with Brian Cage, you know, that big jacked, you know, Mongo looking yeah. fucking guy. And then they bring in, you know, Ricky Starks and it's and they start to build the stable, right? So they've been doing this slow burn with, with Brian Cage slowly turning babyface for some reason. I have no idea. And then it culminates in Ricky Starks defeating Brian Cage for the FTW championship. So for me, it, they're all in the same stable. So what what's the benefit of being the FTW champion? Like I, I, I don't I don't I don't understand it. Is this uh, is this another situation that we talked about with our raw review where it's like, hey, they feel like if they just put a belt on somebody, it'll instantly up their value and get them over? No, I, I, I think in this case, it's just it, it it's really just a prop. Right. So they yeah. they I mean, all all titles are. But, you know, in this case, it's it's even more so because it's really, I guess, meant to symbolize the leader of Team Taz. And Team Taz loses all their matches. So, you know, being the best of a bunch of shit doesn't really make you in any meaningful way. But I will say that the one thing about this segment is, is the moment I saw the marching band come out, I knew they were all getting messed up. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. And then watching Cage come out and and break that drum over that guy's head. Yeah. And then I I was afraid of what he was going to do when he grabbed the trombone off of that guy. But... Um, you know, the, the segment did what it was supposed to do and that it furthered the storyline between Cage and Starks. The real question is, is why does anyone care about it? It beats me. You know, I don't really care about Team Taz. I, I love Taz. I don't really care about Team Taz. I don't really care about the guys involved. Brian Cage, the babyface, doesn't do anything for me. Um, and the, the, the championship, let's just say it's not one in my collection. So with that said, you know, if I, if I had to grade it, I would just give it a C because it's it was just there. You know, they, they didn't execute poorly. They did what they had to do. They're advancing their mid-card story. But I, I don't know why anyone really cares about it. Yeah, so I will give my opinion, and then maybe I'll bury it a little bit worse. But I always, I always kind of know if you go through the links of bringing a marching band out, and I heard no boos. I heard no cheers. Maybe it was because everybody was up getting popcorn from the match previous because they just put these people through 35 minutes of bullshit <laughs> from open to bell. Um, but I'm watching this, and this guy is just saying cliche heel stuff, you know, poorly written. I don't care about you. The belt looks like crap. So it is crap, and now, according to you, it's, it's crap. Uh, then you got this guy, Brian Cage, who looks nothing like a baby face, comes out and does some heel shit. It's like, okay, I get you want to beat up that guy, but the marching band, they did nothing to you. But that's, that's totally a heel move. And then breaking the dude's, uh, trumpet, um, yeah, this is a storyline that I was introduced to for the first time. I don't care about it. I love me some Taz. But this guy, this Ricky Starks guy, just does not do it for me. I, uh, I'm i going to give this another D. So this segment gets a D for me. I think this might be the first time since we've been doing this, and we go back three whole episodes now, that you've graded a segment higher than I have. So Or know, lower than you have, you mean. 
well, yeah. But you're, yeah. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're getting mellow in our old age, apparently. We are getting mellow in our old age. Yes, <clears throat> that is correct. Well, sir, you know, if uh, you can continue to walk us through this this slog of excellence that we subjected ourselves to, and what, <laughs> well, what was this, next? This next match, I know there was a there was like a there was a a real injury that occurred during this match, but I was actually extremely impressed with this next match. Uh, Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. Now, maybe I was just impressed at, because you pointed out what JR had said during this match, which is, hey, these guys actually follow the rules and they actually, like, you know, they make it look like a tag match, or whatever, to paraphrase what the great JR said. But I was like, okay, Santana and Ortiz, they were working like a team the entire time. Both sides were working like a team. And in a tag match, what's the gimmick? Oh, is that a is that a quiz question? That's a question. Me? Yeah, yeah. The oh, tag this rope, is a baby. The tag, baby. The tag is the gimmick, and these guys use the gimmick to perfection. Because I was, you know, I was listening to Al Snow give a give a speech to like a bunch of like uh, wrestling students once, and he was saying it's like, look, the mat, the gimmick of a tag match is the tag. If you were in a fight and you had a chance to go two on one against a guy for a limited amount of time, you would take it every freaking time, especially if that dude could crush you, right? So, I love the in-ring work. I liked what both sides were doing. The only shame is is that one of the wrestlers got injured for real on the outside, uh, and it was bleeding. It looked yeah, like a Cash compound Wheeler. fracture. Cash Wheeler got hurt. But I love Santana. I loved Ortiz. I didn't hate the finish. I thought these guys put in some excellent work. And considering the two shit-bomb segments that I saw before, and maybe it lowered my expectations. I thought this was probably one of the better tag matches between WWE and AEW, like just in general, that I've seen since we've done this podcast. So I think this is, for me, this is the new bar in terms of tag team matches. Well, you know, it's the it's the first tag match I've seen on TV since the last FTR match. So that, that was nice to see. And that, by the way, that includes all those Young Bucks World Tag Team title matches. So, um, you know, the... <clears throat> the match itself was was fine up to the injury. Um, Santana's a star. Yeah, he's a fu- well, he's a future star. I mean, he he looks good. You know, like he's got a presence. Um, but with that said, you know the 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 what well, I agree. It looked like a compound fracture of some kind, and it looked yeah. like when he knocked him off when he was perched on the on the the turnbuckle. Yeah, it looked like his arm hit the hit the ring post on the way down. Yes, yes, it did. And yes, it, it didn't, did. it, you know, he grabbed it immediately and then he ran over to the doctor. And then later when the match ended, you could see the blood and it was like, wow, like it, it must've poked through the skin. So that, that, that's, that's a shame. You know, hopefully he's, he's, he'll be okay. Um, I thought they recovered nicely. You know, Dax, Dax Harwood hit the brain buster for the win. You know, I thought that was, you know, creative on the spot thinking. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it was what it was. You know, where they go from here, you know, it all depends on what they want to do with Santana and Ortiz and, you know, Conan. Um, how this impacts the pinnacle, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, it was it, it, it existed. It was what it was. I didn't feel that it was because it was cut so short. I yeah. couldn't grade it higher than a C. I, I completely uh, <clears throat> respect that answer for me, just based off of the fact that 
to your point, Santana's a freaking star, man. Yeah. Um, these guys had to think on their feet, and I would say with what they gave, with how they actually respected the gimmick of the tag, I'm gonna go B plus. I okay. I was I, I, I legit. That. I, I legit respected the work that they did based off the time. And, you know, I'm not going to knock people for injuries, especially when the match itself was still good and the finish was still good despite the fact that they, like, to your point, they had to come up with that finish, like, out of their ass. And it was still a great match. So, to your point, Santana's a star. They just need to figure out what to do with him. This could be his Bret Hart, uh, Nightheart, uh like when him and the the heart wait the heart foundation this could be his heart foundation until they figure out what to do with him as a singles competitor so b plus for me here on this match all right i can respect that yep all right moving on <laughs> to the uh, iwgp no 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 you are not skipping the segment you are okay. not skipping the Sting and Darby Allen. Darby Allen Oh, segment, my apologies. No, are I was. Are you kidding me? Are, were you testing to see if I was paying attention? Is that what this was? No, this was me going through the Bleacher Report list, and I oh, figured if they man. hold on, I figured if they gave that whole Ricky Styles freaking segment listed, oh, they would have listed the Darby one. But I am going to turn the mic to you sir because you got the cm punk shirt on they made a special announcement about a little town called chicago Mm. talk about the segment between talk about the segment well i mean the segment itself was pretty straightforward i mean cm punk is coming without them actually saying cm punk is coming the confusing part of this for me was is why is darby allen insinuating that he's going to be the one like like anyone else could have made this statement so am i i'm confused on are they going to like lead towards cm punk versus darby allen did they just want darby allen to get the the cool cred for for actually saying the words on tv and getting the pop out of the crowd but forgetting all that you know it i i it seems like it's about as official as a as as it's going to get minus you know him actually appearing or an official announcement it looks like cm punk the best in the world yeah best in the world is best going to world. be coming back which is surprising to me i'm, oh, I'm I... happy about it i'm cautiously optimistic about it but um yeah CM Punk is coming, and, and when you combine that with what we were talking about earlier with Danielson coming, and this goes back to the, the opening segment comment I made. You're going to elevate Adam Page and then have Brian Danielson come in and CM Punk come in, and then what? Only way it would work is if Punk came in and acted like a heel. But I don't know yeah, if he's he, going to go heel in first. Chi- after being away for seven years and in front of that Chicago crowd, he could he – could, murder somebody and not and not be the heel well yeah of he course. could probably I mean, murder adam page and not be the heel dude well we we know for a fact he's gonna get the biggest pop we've heard in aew history uh i i think here's my thing here's why i'm optimistic about it punk is not gonna punk is not punk both those guys are like at such a high level I don't know if they're quite going to negotiate what Hogan had, but it's going to be close to what Hogan had. I guarantee they're going to have creative control of their characters, and they're going to have a say as to what the story that they're in becomes. And I do feel 
like those guys are going to churn out some it's only going to improve the quality of the product if it's done correctly in my opinion so so you know we can have a, a more extensive conversation down the road when once they're actually there but here yeah. here's what i'll tell you the the thing that concerns me is if everyone has creative control and and you're you're getting i'm getting some definite mid to late 90s monday night war vibes all of a sudden yeah right because it's not not to knock people but it's not ftr showing it's not it's not newly released wwe guys showing up on AEW television this is them poaching like primo a plus talent now right yeah. they, they they coax punk out of his semi-retirement you know they they get danielson over probably you know he's going to have some deal where he can work japan and some other stuff but with that said the other part of the monday night war vibe i'm getting is is if everyone has creative control and then you, so right now you got the, the three vps the four vps i'm sorry you got cody since he's a VP, he's got creative control. You got Omega, he's got creative control. You got the Bucks, they've got creative control. Now you're going to give Danielson creative control. You're going to give Punk creative control. You know, in my mind, this is one of the things that, that contributed to the downfall of WCW in the late 90s. So if all of these egos and all of these people that are protective of their, their, their spot and their legacy all have creative control... And Tony Khan seems to me like the kind of guy who just wants everyone to be happy. You know, he's the dream matchmaker right now. Yeah. What's going to happen when these personalities come into conflict? But you know what? That's a conversation for another day. For now, all is right with the world. The Second City Saints on his way back. I'm a happy guy. I can break out my punk gear. I'm getting right. I will. I will be one of the first to line up for an AEW CM Punk shirt. And with that. You know, what do you think, buddy? What do I think of CM Punk coming back? I think I think this is I think this is the thing that actually makes WWE have to take AEW seriously. This is the one thing that I think that would make Vince McMahon have to go, huh? Those guys. Because he was actually just quoted today. I don't know if you saw the quote, but it was uh he said something like, Oh yeah, this is a different time. I don't view AEW on the same level as WCW and he almost said it's like well it's a place to kind of store to stash our talent that we don't have anything for at this time right so he gets punk back and they actually like give punk the treatment that he deserved when he was in the WWE and punk actually like finds himself enjoying himself again putting in his ideas his creativity because he is a very creative guy he's a very smart guy and even though he wasn't the best MMA fighter in the world, he was the best wrestler on the planet for He's a very long one, time. Buddy. He's 0-1-1, buddy. I mean, come on. Hey, man, we're two o o and o guys, right? So, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he had more fights in the UFC than I had. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I think it's nothing but I, – I see positive, but I am concerned. Like, okay – because I think Kenny Omega is the kind of guy who will do silly shit and play ball. I think Cody Rhodes, in a way, since he's a VP, he will play ball. Um, I just don't want them to have AEW to have any type of power to where they can, like, mess stuff up for Punk, try to get him to do some crap that he doesn't want to do. Um, 
And then sometimes maybe creative control, like full creative control, can sometimes be a hindrance because then you don't have roadblocks to tell you, hey, man, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't go that far. Not going to say what time period that was, WCW Vince Russo era. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I said I get Monday Night War vibes, but here's the thing, right? The WWE right now, they're not threatened by anybody. Their, yeah. their profit margin is locked in stone. They have the Peacock deal for the network. They've got the Fox deal. It's paying them billions of dollars, right? Yeah. The opportunity exists for AEW now to capitalize on the fact that the giant is sleeping. But the but they're not. It's not going to be like in the '90s when you know WCW almost put WWE out of business. WWE's got money coming in, and that's all that matters. The opportunity that exists is for AEW to elevate themselves. So, high risk, potential high reward. But there's also that that risk that exists that it could implode the way WCW imploded. And so yeah. it'll be regardless. It's going to be fascinating. And here's the other thing. You know, like I said at the beginning, we're 23 days away from SummerSlam. You know, the the, the the hottest night of the summer, right? The hottest event of the summer, as they used to say. Yeah. And the night before that, the night before SummerSlam, is not only the NXT TakeOver 36 show, which, you know, we'll talk about at the end real quick, but that's also the night that this, uh, that this AEW event in Chicago is happening. So that weekend, August, you know, uh, 19, 20, 21, right around there. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a red hot time for all the right for all the right reasons. And so I'm excited. No, it's it's definitely going to be a fun time to be a wrestling fan. That is for sure. Um, okay, so I don't think we really need to grade that segment. I Incom think it's it, incomplete. It's an incomplete. It's incom <laughs> because what if they promise us punk, but they didn't promise us punk, and then it, they bring out something like, yeah, I don't know. Some it wouldn't be the first time that AEW overcommitted and underdelivered. Let's just put it that way. So I am, like I said, I am cautiously optimistic. I don't think that they would let it get this far. I don't think that they would have one of their main babyface guys drop that comment. Um, so I would say, you know. It feels like it's almost a sure thing that it's going to happen. But for now, it's an incomplete, in yep. my opinion. I agree. We will skip the. We will skip creating <clears throat> that one. All right, next on the list is the IWGP United States Championship match between Lance Archer versus Hikilio. <laughs> Hikilio. How? All right, here is, here is my just quick opinion on the match. Um... I was bored the whole match. I, uh, yeah, I was just bored. The spots really didn't stick with me. I don't think these guys flowed very well with each other, and it just kind of felt like a throwaway match all in all for me. So, I mean, I really have not much to say about it. I mean, it wasn't, like, bad in terms of they were botching stuff left and right. I just don't feel it was a compelling story between these two guys. I mean, how would you feel about it? So, um, this match should not have existed. Yeah. And this match buried your main event. And I'll get to that in a second. So, Lance Archer, I like Lance Archer. You know, Hikilio, I'm just glad I got to see Haku. Yeah, Haku's Haku was looking, there. That Haku's was cool. Haku's looking good. You know, yes. Hikilio is, is like 290 pounds. I mean, he is a big guy, right? Yeah. 
and Archer's a big guy, so you get this, this Haas match. But here's the problem. Archer just won the title last week, the IWGP United States title. He won it in a Texas death match. So here he is, fresh as a daisy, defending the title. And your main event is supposed to be a death match with this Nick Gage character. So basically what you just told me is that death matches are bullshit and this is all fake. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely a different spot to add to that. So, yeah, that could have buried it. For me, it just felt like these guys, like, just didn't flow well together. The match itself, I'm just judging based Whoa. off the work. And then, I mean, Haku coming in and getting, like, the freaking move, that was cool. I did like that. That did get a pop from me. But then that kind of buries Hikilio in a, in a weird way in itself because it's like okay you had outside interference and you still lost clean so i don't know it, it i i know end of the day it probably won't matter because that was kind of a sleeper match it was a throwaway match to get him to japan but i i wasn't a fan of it it it, it accomplished nothing except in my opinion burying your main event and okay. And that's just, I know that, you know, maybe some people don't see it that way, but I mean, you know, he just won the title last week in a Texas death match, like I said, and now you've been heavily promoting this Texas, this Texas death match main event. You brought in the freaking lunatic that we're going to talk about in a little while. Mm -hmm. And you just, like I said, you told me that death, that, that death matches are bullshit and, you know, Jericho will be fine next week, no matter how marked up he gets. But anyway, you know, as for the match itself, um, you know, the outcome was never in question. Hakilio's green as hell. It it didn't really do anything except set up the, by commentary, the IWGP US title match that's gonna, apparently going to happen in Japan between Tanahashi and Archer. So, you know, I, overall, I just give the segment, again, it's a C segment in my mind. It, it didn't do anything that it wasn't supposed to do minus the main event, but I don't think that that's really their, impre their intention, obviously. Um, but it just didn't do anything, you know. Actually, yeah. you know what? You know what? I take back my grade. It's an F minus because they screwed their main event. They screwed their main event. Screw them. Um, Screw them. It's an F minus. F minus. All right. I am going to give this one another D just mm -hmm. because it was like, just judged by the work itself, wasn't a fan of it. I was lulled <clears throat> a lot of times. And dude, when, when you got two big guys out there, you could do some exciting stuff. But I just feel like maybe Lance Archer was sore as fuck from the last week, still beat up from the match. But uh, honestly, they could have had the announcers say that they could have done that. I and, mean, minus minus the bandage he was wearing on his hand, because I'm guessing he really hurt himself. It, you know, yeah. anyway, I'm sorry. I cut you off. D, D for me as well. D for me. All right. Let's uh, let's I, get I into. Say, hang on, before we move on, I will say I, I did take a note on this match because during the match, Tony Schiavone actually asked, "What do you do in a match where there's no rules?" Because he was he was referencing the main event, mm -hmm. and my thought, my immediate thought was, "Is well, you watch the opening match, so you already know what you do in a match with no rules." <laughs> anyway, back to you, sir. Pick and choose. Okay, bright spot because I actually I was entertained by this next match. And I have seen Jungle Boy wrestle before, but I've never seen, like, entrance, full match type wrestling. And this next one, I do have some critiques of it, but I did enjoy it overall, the match itself. So, first off, 
I thought like that uh, Jungle Boy comes out to his entrance music. The crowd. I always have fun when Tarzan I see the boy. crowd having fun. Tarzan yeah. Boy. Yeah, he's coming out. The crowd's just like, oh, singing. Then he's on... Uh, He's on uh, Luchasaurus's back, like riding him like a dinosaur, doing Tarzan stuff. And I gotta say, even though uh, Jungle Boy has like kind of a cartoony gimmick, he does not conduct himself like a cartoon in the ring. Like he's very like the way he entered in was very like he takes it seriously to an extent. So that makes me buy into the gimmick, and you know, so I actually like. I think he has some good uh, in-ring charisma. I've not I have not heard him on the mic yet. I do know you have tons of but critiques. We're all, we're all still waiting to hear him on the mic. Ah, he has not been on the mic yet. <laughs> oh no, he's been on the mic. We're all waiting to hear him. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, then uh, Christian Cage comes in. Love this dude, Love and then this, the Hardy family. This is what kind of knocked it for me, and. The deal is, and this is, I don't expect wrestlers to look like roided out of their fucking mind, but I do expect you to look like, especially if you're one of the smaller guys, to look like you go to the fucking gym, to look like you lift weights, maybe take some creatine, to at least be our level, Steve, at least that, if you're going to be getting paid on national TV to be like, portray a hulking man who who's supposed to be able to whoop my ass, like, and I'm supposed to believe it, so... The heart, whereas the Jungle Boy, like the whole uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express, I love that, the whole thing. I felt nearly the exact opposite about the Hardy family office. It just was, it's just not my thing. They got some decent holds, some decent maneuvers. They clearly know what they're doing in the ring. It's just, you know, when you watch something and you're just like, I don't believe you. I don't believe this. Uh, I don't know why Matt would take any of you guys under his wing. Um, why don't you break down how you your initial thoughts of the match? Well, you know the the Hardy family office, you know Angelico and and Private Party, they've been booked as jokes. The the whole Hardy family office is a joke. So, you know, in terms of this match. Um, in terms of what was good about it, I can't really point to anything that was good about it. Because it, it just seemed like it was there for filler, although it wasn't, and we'll get to the, the mindlessness at the end. But, you know, Christian Cage, he, he comes over from WWE. He comes in with all of the all of the fanfare, the outwork everybody stuff. You know, they get him into immediate, they immediately tease a match between him and Kenny Omega. And now he's doing this. Yeah. You know, Jungle Boy. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Jungle Boy fan. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I love, I, you know, even though he can't talk, I got just something about him. He's got a, he's got a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a silent charisma. And if he could just learn to talk, he'd be awesome. But, you know, he won the Casino Battle Royal a couple weeks ago. He gets a world title match against Kenny Omega, which he, he lost. It was a good match. But now he's doing this. Yeah. So it's like they, again... What's the thought process? What's the story? What's the long-term booking here? And I don't know, right? So <clears throat> they Jurassic Express and Christian Cage, they win the match. And then we get this post-match angle, which I have two problems with, because the first is that the Blade just lost a feud with Orange Cassidy. 
Yeah. And I know that you we're going to disagree on Orange Cassidy. <laughs> right? But he, and the Blade was using brass knuckles in that in that feud as well, right? So he loses the feud to Orange Cassidy. So now he decides he's going to go after Christian Cage. And then the the way that they go about this now is is you know the Blade's wearing the hood, he's in the crowd and then he attacks Cage. They just had this issue with the with the fan that tried to hit the ring a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, right? I heard about that one. Yes, and it was a during the MJF Jericho segment. And it was like a big deal, and you had like AEW wrestlers on social media like going all kinds of ape shit about it. So what do they do? What do they do as a result of that? Well, the following week, last week during the Archer Moxley title match, they did a fan spot where Archer basically used the fan as a weapon, and yeah. then they followed up with this. So. Like, are you telling me you're bit, you're giving me the impression that fan engagement's okay? Yeah, and that was after freaking all those guys. A lot of people in that <clears throat> locker room were expressing concern. They were throwing blame at various podcasters who, let's just say, do not like the AEW product. Um, no, I I agree with you on the ending. Um, there were some cool spots that I liked. Uh, you're trying to show Luchasaurus as a beast. I actually thought that three-man, even though it was a little cartoony, I, that three-man suplex was pretty impressive. So for those of you who didn't see it, like first Luchasaurus grab, hooks uh, one of the guys, gets the gable grip, he's going to suplex him, that dude's going out. He reaches, grabs another guy so that they can have leverage so he can't lift them and move. And then finally the last guy uh, is hooked up, grabs onto the rope, but Luchasaurus ends up suplexing him. I thought that was a cool spot. It was creative and it makes sense. It's like, okay, he's a monster. These dudes don't belong there with him. Clearly, he's he's the badass. Um, Jungle Boy had some great high spots, some great moves that were not cartoony that actually made some sense to them. Um, like I said, I love high spots when they make sense. Like It's like, hey, I'm going to jump over this rope and hit you so you can't jump in and break up the tag. Or so that it's fair, so now it's a one-on-one -on -one engagement, and my and the babyface has a chance to to take it. Um, so, so you sound a little positive about this. So I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit right now, bro. Okay. And I'm going to ask you before I give you my opinion, my grade. What would you? What did you grade this match? What did I grade this match? Let me let me finish up because I had some I had some critiques as oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, the part that I didn't like uh, was Christian Gage. Like, you know, it was a little thing, but it seemed effortless. He's in the corner like, like, come on, guys. Come on, crowd. Come on. Where I'm used to, when you're trying to hype up the crowd, in my opinion, when it, you know, maybe he was afraid the crowd would just not be into it, so he didn't want to put himself too out there. But in my opinion, when you're trying to hype up the crowd, hype up the goddamn crowd. Like, I'm oh, from... Yeah. I'm like I'm like the Jimmy Hart style of where it's like, hey, get these people freaking going. Like, let's get a pop going here, because that's the whole point. It's like uh, that whole uh, freaking smacking the turnbuckle. That's how you get cheap heat. And I didn't like how Christian Cage brought it. Um, in my opinion, Jungle Boy should have gotten the win. Jungle Boy or Luchasaurus should have gotten that win. Christian Cage just felt like he was there in there for the sake of being there just so they could have that moment at the very end. Um, me, because 
it at least had an angle somewhere to go after the match, so it made sense. It was entertaining, but I think when you book a match like this, it's supposed to be filler. And then I also think that Matt Hardy and Jungle Boy have some heat, which I do feel would be a decent, it would be a decent feud for Jungle Boy, even though I think he's like way over, like he doesn't need to feud with Hardy. Um, so to answer your question, I'm gonna give it a C plus. And I had a feeling that that's where you were going with this. So for me, it was an F. For an F, and, okay. And it was an F because, the, the first of all, the match is only like a couple of minutes, right? Yeah. But beyond that, the the absolute re- opposite booking, and, and I, was, I was about to say reverse booking, although reverse booking kind of insinuates that they started with the ending in mind and kind of worked backwards. Mm-hmm. Everyone involved in this is diminished. Christian Cage is diminished. He went from from being in a spot to 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 challenge Omega, and now he's stuck in this in a new feud with the Butcher after feuding with Matt Hardy. Thank you know 1996 called, and they want their feud back, right? Yeah. Jungle Boy again. He's wildly over, but they had him you know challenging Omega just a couple weeks ago for the title. Now I guess he's gonna feud with Matt Hardy. That everyone's going down. And I don't know if that's because they don't have a plan or if this goes back to what I talked about way at the beginning with Paige. Are they hitting pause or dropping pe- starting to drop people down because they have these big stars coming in? I don't know. But all I know is, is that compared to where these two guys, and I'm talking about Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, were just a couple of weeks ago and the direction that they're heading now, and the fact that this match served as kind of a gateway to that, that is an absolute failure, in my opinion, regardless of, you know, th- there was a couple of cool spots. But again, it goes back to my argument about this whole show. It's more about doing cool things than having it make sense yeah. from a narrative perspective and, and, and booking and making sure that they have a long-term story in mind. So for me, I, I, I have to give it enough, and I hate doing that because I am a huge Christian Cage guy. I'm really warmed up to Jungle Boy. I even get a kick out of Luchasaurus a little bit, but but this just was awful. Yeah. Um, no, I, dude. I think I think the the growing uh, theme here is the fact that you've been invested in this product for a while. It's my first time seeing it, so that changes. That even changed my perspective of everything. And I think you're correct, man. You hit the nail on the head. It's like if you got two mega stars in, that means if you're a, you go down to a B, your B, you go down to a C, your C, you go to a D, and D, you're probably going to have to get the fuck out. Like, that's just going to, I mean, and that's just what happens when you bring the star power in, you know, you, like, but I mean, I'm hoping that this will, this is just filler until they figure out what's going on, where to place people, because I'm pretty sure Punk would work Christian Cage. I'm pretty sure Daniel would work Christian Cage. I'm sure they have a relationship with him that they'll sooner or later he'll he'll get a shot. Um, but that kind of that's gotta suck for him because he was he was probably brought back to be like, hey man, you're gonna be a big star here. You're gonna be fighting for a title, and now it's like Christian Cage is gonna be maybe one rung of head of where he would have been in the WWE. Well, and 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 they're basically serving. Christian Cage, I guess, for a little while now has been kind of like pseudo Jungle Boy's mouthpiece. And if you look at what they set up for for next week, once they, you know, later in the show, they announce the matches for next week. Um, One of the matches is, 
you know, Christian versus the Blade with Jungle Boy as his manager. So it's yeah. like, what what are we doing here? Like these these were supposedly, especially in the case of Jungle Boy, you know, one of your you know on the verge of hitting, you know, shattering the glass ceiling talents. And it seems like every time they get Jungle Boy to the point where he's about to do that, they just knock him back down. And then not only do they knock him back down, he stays down for a while. Damn. So, kind of sounds like he's the new Bret Hart of the AEW. If you look how Bret Hart was booked in the WWF, where it's like, hey, we're going to have you high. Oh, well, actually, there's these stars that we like more. You're going to go back down. You're going to work Lawler now. Uh, and then bring him up as you need him. But end of the day, he's 24 years old. I think the kid has a freaking huge career ahead of him. And what I respect about him is I was going through his his background. He didn't have any favors based on who his dad was. He started off as the indie scene, and he earned his spot. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think... Let me put it to you this way. When that kid wins that belt, I'm going to fucking go berserker. Oh yeah. Uh, so long as it's a great match, I'm yeah, gonna go he berserk. Does, he does not. He does not rely on his his name value. As a matter of fact, for the longest time, he didn't want his father really there because it would because the focus would be on him. Um, and he never even used. You know, Jim Ross started calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and you know that was like, oh my God, like is that okay? And even I saw an interview with Jungle Boy where even he said he's like, well, you know, at first, but it was Jim Ross. And, you know, I kind of understand why they're doing it. He does not rely on the name, which yeah. which is a positive for him. Yeah, but man. He needs to like he needs to learn how to talk like his yeah. interviews are painful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll come with time. I mean, there's guys who who get better over time, and then there's some guys yeah. who don't. Dean Malenko. Uh. Well, well, here's what I'm going to tell you. You made the Bret Hart comparison. You remember how Bret Hart was on the mic? Early on, Bret, it wasn't. Bret Hart makes Jungle Boy, or I'm sorry, Jungle Boy makes Bret Hart look like Ric Flair on the mic. Yeah, agreed. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Uh, anyways, all right, so we both gave our grades to this show, this product. Um, all right, so the next one here is... Uh, we have Julia Hart well, accompanied. So, so hang on. So before you get there, there were two segments that you that you bypassed. And I noted that it's not on the, the, the sheet that you're reading off of, but they did a backstage statement or a, back, a backstage segment where Malachi Black, the former Alistair Black, the former Tommy End, mm-hmm. he had an, he attacked Cody Rhodes, right? And yes, he did. They're still they're still doing their you know Black's wearing black, Cody's wearing white, you know the. You know the yeah. I, I appreciate the subtlety. I mean, the only thing left to do is to do the the WrestleMania 25 entrance, where the Undertaker comes up from under the ground and Shawn Michaels comes from the ceiling. <laughs> this guy, yeah, yeah. But but they're setting up a match for next week. Um, you know that'll be an interesting match because not only can the two guys go, but Cody's Cody's last couple of feuds have been pretty decisive in Cody's favor. I'm I would hope that Cody understands the need to do business for Black here. Yeah. I fear he's going to beat Black cleanly, and all that's going to do is just kill any momentum that, that Black had. But then beyond that, they did an interview, they did a pre-tape with uh, Miro, the TNT champion. The TNT champion. Yes, I the did former, see that. The former Rusev, who now is like some like religious heel. Yes. Oh, wait, what did he say? Like he, he was something he like... Said, 
I love a vicious God and a double jointed wife. No, he said, yeah, he said he's God's favorite. So God's favorite champion loves a double jointed wife. Like, I don't get it. Like, can't you just let him be, you know, the badass monster? Like, like, why does he like, I don't get it. So anyway, those two segments happened. And then the other thing that happened before we move on to the, the Thunder Rosa versus uh, Julie Hart match was they did a very quick like highlight reel of Nick Gage. Yes, they did. Showing showing some of his GCW stuff. And what I will tell you is the only thing that stood out to me in this thing was that if you look in the lower left-hand corner of the video package that they're showing, it said, courtesy of an organization called Wrestling with Unicorns. Oh, Jesus Christ. That is all you need to know. (laughs) So I'm sorry. I I had to go back, especially since... You know the title was brought up but the the malachi black cody rhodes is a is a big new thing going on there it does play into next week so i wanted to make sure that yeah. we at least mentioned it and now i'll turn it back over to you to take us to the epic encounter between julia hart and the newly signed thunder rosa no i actually wanted to talk about the uh the cody rhodes malachi <coughs> bit initially because the bit starts out he's being interviewed and then malachi black attacks him which is weird why would they go up to the entrance way and not the uh not just keep it a street fight i don't know because you know whenever i'm uh wanting to get into a fight you know i want to i want to take it to a place where there's going to be like you know forty thousand witnesses um <laughs> to see the assault but whatevs but no i thought the action and that was really cool the fight i think cody's finish cody's like fucking punch mixed with uh, Malachi's kick makes it very interesting to your I point. Love, I love that black mass spin kick. I, I, I've, oh, I've it's always beautiful. dug that. It's beautiful. And then I love how the job squad comes out to save him and then Malachi. So basically, in your opinion, who's face, who's heel here? You know, that that's a great question because Cody is positioned as, as the face normally. But with Black coming in the way he did, and when he debuted a couple weeks ago, he, he, he debuted by spin-kicking Arn Anderson. Yeah. Right? So That's you would think that that makes him a heel. However, like most things in AEW, it's about who's doing cool shit. Yeah. So, you know, you got Black doing the I, I appear and disappear when the lights go out bit that, you know, apparently, you know, I, I, I can't stand that stuff. But um, so I, I really don't know. I mean... In terms of what they're doing, uh, Black is clearly the heel in, in storyline mode, but how the crowd reacts to them next week, who's to, who's to know? I could I could easily see them turning on, on Cody, finally, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I would think with how big of a pop Malachi got, because certainly you need guys like Cody who are clearly on top, but eventually they got to lose to somebody, right? Um, and he's got to lose clean. Do you think, okay, if he were to say, hey, Malachi, I'm going to let you win, do you think he loses clean or do you think it's going to be a schmoz? Well, here's the thing. I, I, regardless, I'm, I'm still on guard because if you, if you think back, and I know you, you probably didn't see it, but you remember Brody Lee, the late Brody Lee, right? Yeah. When Cody lost the TNT title to Brody Lee, it was a very quick couple minute like total dominating ass whipping by Brody Lee to, to beat Cody and take the title which apparently was was not so much to get Brody Lee over 
it was to give Cody an excuse to go away and film that TV show that he did for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then the moment he's done filming, he comes right back and he beats Brody Lee in the dog collar match and takes back the TV, the, the, the TV, it's a TV title, the, the TNT championship. Yeah. So, you know, even if Black beats him, I still don't know what to make of it until I see how this plays out long term because it seems that, again, creative control, one of the vice presidents, Cody, I, you know, it's funny. For as anti-Triple H as Cody is, he's he like the way he positions himself in AEW is so Triple H like it's it's scary. So is he banging somebody's daughter? <laughs> oh wait, well, we, we yeah. can't go there. We can't go there. No, Brand, right. have you seen his wife, Brandy? Brandy Rhodes is a you know they just had a baby. I have not seen his wife. Oh, no, you gotta check out. You gotta check out Brandy. She's 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 a, a fine looking lady. A fine looking lady, absolutely. So. Here's, uh, here's another team that I'm rooting for going into. Actually, we'll go into the GCW style. I was like, uh, Nick Gage can't cut a promo to save his life. Uh, oh. I was, when I was watching that, um, I was like, okay, we get it, bro. You're crazy. It's like, I'm a psychopath, blah, 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 blah. Like his whole, his whole gimmick, uh, the whole freaking death match thing. We're going to get into this, but you know what? I'll, I'll save my opinion of that situation after we get to this, you know, amazing, wonderful, non-filler, totally threatening to Thunder Rosa match. Definitely not just meant as filler until she gets her title shot. We had Thunder Rosa versus Julia Hart, who was accompanied with the varsity blondes who played cheerleader for her for a change. Um, I'm going to get your, uh, since I went first last time, I want to get your opinions first this time. Julia Hart can't talk. They should not give her a microphone. And the, as if the, as if the outcome was ever in doubt, the moment they announced that she just signed a new multi-year deal before the match even starts, I just, I, I just, paid attention to other things because it was obvious that Thunder Rosa is going to win. They're clearly setting her up for a title match against Britt Baker. It didn't last very long. I didn't really catch much of it because it, I just didn't have the, I didn't have the will to watch it. Yeah. Um, I watched the whole thing. Julia tried. She was just completely outclassed by Rosa. No, I'm, I'm being serious. It was one of those things where she was bought, brought in to be a glorified jobber. It's not uh, on the same level as Thunder Rosa. Nowhere near. No, Thunder Rosa, you could tell, is just freaking legit. And Thunder Rosa was carrying the whole time. To Julia's credit, the match flowed at least the way it should have flowed. She was supposed to get her ass beat with to get and and to Thunder Rosa's credit, she gave Julia a little bit of offense so that you know it wasn't a complete one-sided ass whooping. Um, Varsity Blondes are just in the back because right now the whole uh, dark side of the ring with Brian Pillman, you got Pillman Jr. back there, who I'm rooting for, by the way. I'm rooting for him. Um, so for me, it was, I kind of just felt meh about this. You know, it wasn't, it did nothing for me. Um, I think it was just to prove, hey, Thunder Rosa is the badass. She's the next champ. And we basically just fed a glorified jobber to her. But, it, but again, but again, here here's the thing, right? <clears throat> they, the, the the varsity blondes were there. Yeah. But 
they didn't do anything. Brian Pillman Jr. has, I mean, he just had a TNT championship match a couple weeks ago. This goes, this goes back to the things that bother me, you know, the, the same stuff as the Christian Cage and Jungle Boy and Adam Page, just to a lesser degree. He was not featured at all. He was just out there cheerleading for, for Julia Hart. So uh, is she the one that they're pushing now? Like, they, where's the follow-up for Brian Pillman Jr.? And why does <clears throat> Thunder Rosa could have beat anybody else? Why her? It, it just, it, it it was filler, but it was, but again, it just shines a light on the fact that, you know, sometimes I don't know if they think through what it is that they're doing. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Me, it didn't have enough for me to hate to like, and I don't think it buried anybody. I actually think it raised Thunder Rosa's status, which I mean was supposed to happen if she just signed a multi-year deal. Um, and there was good in-ring work i mean by their for what standards it was. Yeah. for what it was there's good in-ring work um i'm gonna give it a c yeah i would give it a c you know c is average right i would just give it a c i mean it accomplished what it was designed to do which was it accomplished what it was designed to do which was to get thunder rosa over you know get her a quick win but again the the ancillary stuff going on around it with the varsity blondes and in particular brian pillman jr just didn't make sense to me and i don't know I, it just <clears throat> they could have done something else here and it would have been and it would have accomplished the same thing i i completely completely agree okay our main event this is our first episode by the way folks for those of you who are tuning in for the first time we spent one hour and of talking about this match and half of it was just wondering if this crazy dude who likes to slice people up with a freaking pizza cutter, Nick Gage, would actually protect Chris Jericho. Would he actually look like he's able to wrestle with a guy like Chris Jericho? Even if he's like 50, a 50-year-old 50 Chris Jericho, could you even hang with a 50-year-old Chris Jericho? Um, we have the no-rules match, because you can't call it a death match. It's a no-rules match. With uh, Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage, uh, MJP uh, was in the uh, he was on commentary booth. That was actually the one part I liked was you know that actually was some good heel commentary. Yeah, MJF um, can talk. MJF can talk. Um, and then you had Painmaker Chris Jericho, and steve why don't you give us your analogy of painmaker chris jericho let's not go into the match yet but let's tell the folks at home just how much you love the painmaker gimmick and why you love that painmaker gimmick so much with every fiber of your being he just looked like fat porcupine sting <laughs> you know he comes out with that with that spiked like the, the spiked jacket and then he takes the mask off and he's got like the like the low rent like face paint on and it's just like and he looks like a blowfish like i nothing but respect for chris jericho but man you know eat a salad you know (laughs) (laughs) whoo boy you know here's the thing man i mean before getting into a ring i i would imagine like it wouldn't be to the degree of what we did when we got on stage uh, a Mm -hmm. couple months ago but i would definitely want like visible abs Maybe minimize the obliques. Uh, you know, maybe don't, look like I've worked out. Don't talk about Nick Gage like that. <laughs> I guess we're talking both. All right. 
the gentleman he is fighting on the other side of the ring, because we really, I don't know if we could call it wrestling, whatever the fuck we saw in that match, uh, was Nick Gage. Nick Gage is famous for the indie scene, and he does a bunch of death matches, primarily for a company called GCW, Game Changer Wrestling. Um, this match opens up. The two circle the ring, and Nick Gage is holding a freaking pizza cutter the entire time, and it's not even like it's like, hey, we're going to lock up and wrestle. He's trying to slash Chris Jericho until he actually does slash Chris Jericho opens up a nice cut on his arm, which leads to us being like, oh, shit, Chris Jericho's in danger. And I'm not going to lie, Steve, this whole match, it was it was slightly better than what I thought it was going to be, only because I was preparing for the worst, but it's still a shit grade, in my opinion. The whole time, I'm watching the spots. And I wasn't even watching. I didn't care about the work so much. I was like, okay... I was looking for, like, those little things, like, okay, is Nick playing ball? Is he taking care of Chris? Is this all planned? Is this all worked? Was this all agreed upon? But some of those spots were just absolutely atrocious. Um, why don't you walk the people through a little bit of little some pieces of the match? Let's actually walk them through, like, the narrative, like, what actually unfolded that time before we give our opinion, because I feel like we really should break that part down. Well, you know, be, be, just real quick before we get into that, the, the, the thing that stands out to me is Chris Jericho has become like like your crazy grandfather who's trying to recapture his youth, right? So, like, yeah. he starts doing things. Like, it's like seeing Grandpa on a skateboard. Like, he thinks it makes him look cool to the younger folks, but the younger folks that are looking at him just think he looks crazy. And then the people that are of his era just look at him and wonder like why the hell are you doing this like it's dangerous you can get hurt you know the fact that you're 50 doesn't mean that you can't do it it just means that you shouldn't do it because you've earned the right to not have to do it exactly so and, i'm sorry go ahead it, it, no I, I was i was gonna piggyback off your point i even said that on my instagram yesterday i was like Chris Jericho is 50 years old. He does not need to be doing this to himself right now. And I feel like there's certain guys who Nick, a guy like Nick Gage wrestles, and Chris Jericho should not be one of them. And that's, that's how I felt. And I feel like you want to talk about <laughs> degrading yourself. Like, Chris Jericho, I understand these are the labors to get to the championship, right? But... He's in a death match with an indie wrestler who was only famous based off of a Dark Side of the Ring episode and trying to kill David Arquette for real in the ring. That's it. That's that that's literally what the the source of this guy's fame was. I mean, they hit a few moves on each other. They worked stiff. Nick Gage no-sold him a few times. I don't know if you saw that, but he oh, completely yeah. he no-sold a chair shot. He no-sold the uh, when he kicked out. So for those of you who didn't see it, uh, consider yourself lucky. Um, or, or if you like train wrecks, go ahead and watch it. But there's a spot in the match which took Nick Gage like fucking, it felt like eight minutes to set up. And I think you know the spot I'm talking about where he sets up two chairs as a platform sets up a sheet of glass and you could tell he couldn't find where the glass was because he was looking side to side to side 
where ultimately, and I think you saw this too, he actually had to go to one of the ring workers and like, hey, where the fuck is the glass, right? Yeah, if I were Chris Jericho, I'd be pissed off because here's another sh another instance again, much like the referee at the beginning in the first match, where apparently there's there's people that work for this company that are willing to help certain wrestlers hurt other wrestlers. Like I, I don't that it it looked awful, and and especially in this in this case, and I and I'll let you get back to it, but. Nick Gage doesn't work for the company. He was brought in as a mercenary. And now, apparently, there's somebody that works for AEW who's going to help him get glass so that they can take, go cut up Chris Jericho. Like, I, was, I, like I saw that, and I, was, and I just started just sitting there just being like, if you can't do it, don't. Exactly. 100%. That's how I felt. And then part of me was like, every single time he, like, they utilize the uh, the freaking light bulbs, those big, long, tubular light bulbs. I was praying that those were made with plexiglass, with candy glass, with fake glass. Mm. I was hoping they were. I hope they were. I want to believe that they were made with plexiglass. They look like the real deal to me, bud. I mean, well, I'm looking at the TV production value. And then, well, here's the deal. I don't think that baseball bat, like... No. Jericho is not clean of this here, right? Because then you had Jericho hit this guy with a baseball bat four times. And I don't know about you, Steve, but if somebody hit me with a baseball bat clean one time, I am down. I'm down. I'm out. The only movement I have is maybe try to, like, get, get away or protect myself from further bat shots. But apparently Nick Gage can take four shots with a baseball bat which we were just making fun of the other week, which we were like, it's four baseball bat shots, which is attempted murder. Nah, uh, that, that's the power of meth, bud. Meth is a hell of a drug, apparently. It makes you immune to baseball bats. So we had the baseball bat gimmick. And then you remember the first episode we did, my fear was like, what if this dumbass gets them kicked off TV? And lo and behold, what does he do? He takes one of the light bulbs, breaks it on his knee, and creates a shiv with said light bulb. And then takes, probably takes that shiv against one of the most decorated wrestlers of all times and proceeds to jab him and create some serious color about 12 to 15 times with a makeshift shank. That is what's happening to a 50-year-old Chris Jericho. Mm. Uh... Let's see, what other spots am I missing? Oh, the mist. The mist. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, so after just watching shit show deathmatch wrestling where freaking the only entertaining part of the whole match was the heel commentary and me just hoping to freaking Christ that this idiot doesn't hurt Chris Jericho for real, I'm, I'm literally scared for Chris the whole match, bro. Like, the whole match, I'm terrified for this person for real. This is not suspending my belief. This is, hey, is this going to be the last time I get to see Chris Jericho wrestle and it's going to be this shit show? Um, at the end of the match, like, Chris's face was just caked with blood. Um, the ending ended with him spitting mist into Nick Gage's eyes Hitting that, I like his new finish because that's one of my favorite strikes to hit is uh, the reverse elbow. Yeah, the Judas elbow. The Judas elbow hits him down, gets the one, two, three, 
And before we break down what the next match is going to be, which goes into what you and I were discussing again, it was like everything we talked about was foreshadowed in this match here. It was like you could go back and listen to us on episode one, and it's going to be the same shit we're talking right now. But, Steve, like, what was your opinion of this? Like, when, when you saw the shiv happen, when you saw this freaking cr- this meth head make a makeshift shift and start stabbing Chris Jericho in the head with it, what was what were your thoughts here? Well, you know, I, I, I gave Chris Jericho credit for, for being brave and, and elect, you know, volunteering to let this maniac do that. But at the same time, you know, there, there's such a thing as being so brave you're just stupid. Right. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes discretion, discretion is the better part of valor, as they say. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it all starts at the beginning. Right. The whole presentation was just, you know, you got this national TV audience, you got this high budget production. They introduced Nick Gage's Nick effing Gage. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. So, you know, at least they're keeping it classy. You know, and then you, you, you walked us through some of the some of the stuff. The one thing I will say, though, is I hope Drew McIntyre was watching this because when Nick Gage brings the pizza cutter to the ring, hopefully next time McIntyre will remember to bring his sword to the ring. <laughs> you know, hey, you got a weapon. Hey, and is Nick Gage smarter than Drew McIntyre? I don't know. I would think not. But, you know, who knows? You know, so, okay, so we, we, we have picked one thing <laughs> that Nick Gage can do better than Drew McIntyre, which is, hey... If we're in a no DQ match and you got a pizza cutter, use the pizza cutter. I'm fairly certain Nick Gage is probably better at smoking meth than Drew McIntyre is as well. But you know what? I have that that has remained to be seen. And I how dare you? How dare you? Okay, for all you know, freaking Drew McIntyre could be the greatest meth addict of all time. Okay, Nick well, Gage. Like, you don't just give a man that title. You make him earn it. He is – don't feel sorry for him. Make him earn that title. I don't want to speak ill of people's appearances, but the, did you see Nick Gage's teeth? I saw his teeth. I heard his promo. His promo was that of a man who is not all there. His, um, his speaking style on promo looked exactly like the tweet that he made right before the match. Did you happen to see the tweet that he made right before the match? No, I did not. I don't follow Nick Gage's Twitter, but I did see the follower count. You know how many more followers he got from this match? How many? Zero. He was still at the same really? amount. Oh, actually, uh, I'd say 2,000 more. No, no, he went from 27,000 to 29.8 thousand. So at least, at least, like, the whole deathmatch community did not, like, grow exponentially because of this match. So, so I'm going to read this for you real quick. Tonight is the night, MDK, that's the murder, death, kill. GCW gang, you already know we roll tonight. We show the world, Chris Jericho, you're in deep shit, bud, and it's not looking good for you. I'm just being honest. I didn't come here to play games. Oh, and MJF, have my money ready, or I'll stomp you out to MDK AEW tonight on TNT. And I read it that fast because there was no punctuation. <laughs> And I, the only thing that I could, the only when I read that, I'm like, that's really how he talks. Yeah. Like I said, meth is a hell of a drug, right? Meth is one hell of a drug. I mean. So, yeah. <laughs> this, well, well, this whole well, thing was well, a debacle. It, it was. Um, and hey, and hey, you know, here's what I will tell you. If I were Chris Jericho, I would be pissed off. 
because the moment Gage started like really cutting into him and getting out the furniture and the glass and the light tubes was when they were in the middle of a commercial and it was in the little picture in picture on, yes. the, on the side. So yes. they so they in when it's when it's actually not a commercial and it's on the big screen, they're showing Nick Gage trying his you know by the way, Nick Gage's wrestling offense is not fit for high definition television because it looked faker than hell. Yeah. He did he did the the world's shittiest looking falcon arrow. Yep. Right. So, you know, it's just it uh so anyway, and you know, you could see you could see Jericho calling the spot the where he tells Gage to shove him into the ring post and Jericho puts his hand up. It just that stuff didn't look good. But then you get to the meat, right? You get to the point where they start busting out the furniture, they come back for oh, one one other thing by the way, and I thought this was funny. You know, during the commercial when 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 uh, Gage is pulling out all the furniture and you could see that he has some of Jericho's blood on his face and a little bit in his mouth. At that exact same time, there was a commercial on, at least on my feed, for this immune system boosting. Oh, God. (laughs) And I just thought, I was just like, man, like, you know, talk about some good product placement right there. You know, like, that's better product placement. That's better product placement than the Space Jam thing they did at the beginning, man. Like, that was like money i Mm. give you that bro i give you that that's the one thing i will say about the aew product it's like look either cut to commercial or give me wrestling like i know they want to keep them action on and you know i guess to a point it's better that way because you at least get to see what's happening during commercial but did it feel like for you that 40 percent of their presentation was a fucking commercial break yeah all the all the setup for the end came during that commercial, during the commercial break, like why couldn't you just cut to commercial before you start the match? It 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 didn't make any sense. And putting it picture in picture doesn't doesn't take the responsibility off of the production of this, and you know how they space it out. Hey, this is we're gonna go to commercial here. We'll do some light stuff on the outside, and then when we know we're back on, we'll we'll continue. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't like having to watch like 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 this and like what the hell's going on it it, yeah it looked it it made it look amateur yeah but um you know other than that you know you got jericho doing the top rope hurricane rana on gauge through the through the setup paint of glass and then the thing again it takes me out of the moment right mjf on commentary saying i didn't think chris would take it to this level dude you booked him in a fucking death match (laughs) Yes. Like, come on. And then, and then immediately after that, <clears throat> he does the the top rope her and Kadrana on Gage through the pane of glass, right? Yep. He covers him. Gage kicks out immediately and then basically completely no-sells the spot yes. by sitting there and wagging his finger. And I was like, what? come on, man. Yeah, exactly. He was... He- he went into business for himself a few times. Like there was, there was a clear chair shot from Jericho. Now I don't know if he just didn't hit it hard enough, so like he didn't uh, maybe pulled it too much. But he no sold the chair shot. Um, and I'm supposed to believe that you're gonna kick out of a fucking a hurricane rana through plain glass, but that spinning back Judas elbow, you're gonna go straight down and stay down. Um, yeah, I mean I think we both know what our grades are gonna be for this. Well, you know. And then one, one other, or two other things real quick before we get to the end, right? So then after the, the no-sell kick out, the finger wag, right? <clears throat> then Jericho takes a complete...
completely unprotected light tube shot to the head. Yes. Right? Which, you know, that stuff can get in your eyes. You yep. know, that, that was stupid. And then they immediately follow that up with a pile driver on the glass shards. That is why, right there, I think that those glass, the tubes were fake. That part, I think, was fake. Uh, but 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 when you saw Jericho when he when he tried to do the code breaker and he got dropped yeah. on the glass and he turned around like his back was all scratched up. I mean like it. I, yeah I don't no know. no I'm, and just because I'm it's hoping ca- that they did, but yeah. it, it it either way, it da- just dangerous and unnecessarily dangerous and unnecessarily dangerous for a guy of the stature <clears throat> of Chris Jericho and the fact that this happened and it happened the way that it did means that it's something that Chris Jericho approved of and most likely wanted to do. <clears throat> I don't get it. You know, I just don't. All right. So he's I grandpa think on a skateboard. He is grandpa on a skateboard. I mean, it's very clear that we're both a plus on this match. I mean, you know, it's uh, I'm a, so I want to grade the match itself. And I feel like the labor three, the setup deserves its own grade because I've got my problems with that. And it goes back to our first episode, but basically I think this match went about as well as it could have gone. And it's still an F for me. Like it's an F minus for me. I mean, you have MJF, who's at least kind of telling a story in the ring, kind of at least making it known, like, hey, I'm putting Jericho through this. Like, you know, making – he's getting heat as a heel. That was probably the only freaking thing that happened well in this match. The dignity of the Jericho legacy. I don't know if this will kill it, but it definitely leaves a fucking shit-stained asterisk mark <laughs> on his legacy. Um I mean, it's it's just that for me, and I mean, Gage. I mean, if you're Gage, you're the, you're the you're the clear winner in this match, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. You fought you fought in front of more people than you've ever wrestled in front of. You're you get you gain three thousand social media followers. That's not that's not small anymore. You know, it is harder to get people to hit the follow button. So this is yeah, true. good this is true. Good, good for him. National TV time. Uh, wrestled a guy like Chris Jericho. I mean. Here's the thing, though. He gave up the belt in his last organization. Do you think that every once in a while he's going to be like a henchman of sorts, like a punishment for people? Because I, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to watch this guy every week. Because if you're on a television program every week, that means eventually you're going to have to have a non-death match match, and this guy can't have a non-death match match. Not based off what I've seen. Um, the only so, person that gets punished watching him is me. <laughs> and you and me and the people and the people who uh, just sat through that I mean look it got some pops but it got like train wreck pops it got like the <gasps> like well, what the hell pops but it, 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 it it's the it's the theme that I've been saying it's cool shit versus substance. what makes sense what makes sense from a narrative perspective so you know, I'll, I'll I'll let you finish your thought before I get to <clears throat> my grade. But um, you know, what else were you thinking here, brother? You know what I was? I, I think we covered everything that I was thinking. For me, it was just like dignity of Jericho. If you were gonna do this match, 
it made sense to make it because he's going to do four labors before he fights MJF, not five. MJF is the fifth labor. So in my opinion, if you're going to do this and actually try to kill this guy, it should be labor number four. Um, if you were going to bring out the whole pain maker gimmick, it should come at a time where Jericho ramps up almost and like, all right, I'm tired of being pushed around. I'm going on offense. And he should have almost taken the character into a direction where he would have stricken fear into MJF. Because if this match happened before, you could salvage something here, right? And I'm just like playing armchair booker. booker. Fantasy, fantasy booker. Booking. I'm just playing fantasy booker here and how I would fix it, right? Like, okay, if you have to do this death match angle, if you have to do it, it should have been labor number four, as we both discussed in the first podcast. And if he's going to bring out Painmaker, for the love of God, make some, put some effort into the makeup and really use something that'll strike some fear into the heel because after this you're next and after what you've tried to do to me with these other four labors i'm freaking coming for you and you almost have to make jericho teeter on the brink of sadistic just enough to actually be like oh this is why mjf is afraid of him this is why he put him through all this this is why he put us through four weeks of this bullshit because he doesn't want to fight him because Jericho still has some dog in him. That's one way they could have salvaged this. It still would have been shit, but at least it would have added to a bigger story. Um, for me, it's at, it was out of place. It was, to your opinion, hey, let's just show some cool stuff for the sake of showing some cool stuff. That's why I give it an F. F minus for sure. You know what? No, we're going to give this a gym class F. Gym class hmm. F. For me so well played I'll, sir i turn well it to you well that's our that's our theme like we we, we kept going f minus 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 and then you yeah. coined the phrase gym class f so it is a gym class f for me yeah you know the, i give again i give jericho credit for yeah being braver than smart i guess um but everything about this just diminished everyone involved except for nick gage so the only guy who doesn't need elevating and the only guy involved in this who doesn't work for your company was the one that benefited the most um and then again you know narrative right so you're in the middle of these labors so we go from sean spears in a in a one-way chair match which is a great you know that's a fine way of starting this off right it's you know straightforward they then immediately jump to nick gage in this death match and now what do they do for number three Oh, Dude let's Guerrero. hold off. Oh, let's let's hold off on that part. I wanted to get this match okay, first because so, I feel like the reveal could be its own thing. Well, you know, and, and but it all goes into the package, right? So That's we can true. talk about okay. we can talk about no, we can talk about that in a minute. So, you know, even if you even if you leave out the the third labor, right? It just it it the 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 direction that they're going in just doesn't make any sense. The prize at the end for Jericho for agreeing to do this doesn't make any sense. He's already taken on MJF three times, once in the uh, once in the war games, you know, blood and guts match, and then twice in those stadium stampede, you know, choreographed, you know, pre-recorded matches. So uh, why he would volunteer to go through this just to have a match with MJF, it doesn't make sense. Um, if anything, it should be the opposite, the opposite way. It's yeah. not because now Jericho's the babyface. So nothing about this really worked for me. Um, you know, seeing a seeing a high budget version of the stuff that goes on in the backyard down here in Delaware, 
you know, with the with the CZW stuff. You know, I, I could have lived without seeing it. I, I would much rather see something that, I don't want to say safer, but safer. Um, and something that actually makes sense in the context of the narrative. You know, I said I, a theme for me throughout all the, the, the three episodes we've done so far, but it's going to continue to be a theme is, is I like logic. I like consistency. I like mm -hmm. a good storyline. And this just doesn't, it, it, it felt out of place. I think you said that it, it, it didn't make sense. And so for me, the whole presentation was just an F, which, you know, they bled buckets in the ring. Yeah. to get to get f grades not that they're doing this necessarily for me and you and there's certainly a subset of people that are going to like what they saw yeah. but again cool shit versus stuff that makes sense versus a narrative flow it didn't work it was an f yeah i think gym class I, f gym class f there we go okay so before we go into the whole aew pr production which you know now that I've had a chance to reflect on everything, my initial conversation that we had offline has completely changed um, just because, <laughs> no, when you get to like reflect on things, mm -hmm. right? So when you watch it live, you're entertained. And then when you look back, it's like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't really make sense. This doesn't really make sense. And it just feels like you have ultimately a rich Mark calling the shots, right? Of this whole production. And people who don't understand substance, booking, and things of that nature, they're really thinking in terms of, okay, like, they're they're not trying to tell a story, it feels like. It feels like if I'm flipping channels, right, and now I've got, like, a thousand channels I could possibly watch, what spectacle can I put that if you're just flipping through, you're going to stop for two to three minutes to see what the hell is going on? That's what it feels like. And they could still do that, but they could still deliver a story also. And I think that's the key ingredient that's missing here. But when I look at the AEW product, I see potential. Like, I do see a lot of potential there. I see a lot of talent, but it's the WWE thing. But it's kind of this, it's, it's kind of this weird thing where you have these amazing wrestlers, but just not great booking and not great storytelling. That's kind of what I get here. But moving on to just just to move on so we can so yep. we can wrap up the the final yep. match. I love what is going to happen because I did watch the Jericho Huvatu Guerrera WCW battles, but here's the stipulation. He has to hit a top rope maneuver on Huvatu Guerrera to get the finish. This did they actually did they actually announce that? Yeah, they announced it. Yeah. Oh, I missed I missed that. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, so I finally caught one that you missed, yeah, I, and you've I, caught I a missed, bunch that I missed. I missed that. That's fine. I missed that. Yes. Oh, okay. So MJF comes out and says, hey, you have to hit a top rope maneuver against Hoover to Guerrera. But then they after, show like after a flashback. The death match. After the death match. This feels like the first. Okay, if we go in order now, if we were to logically put this in order, the first labor had a weapon in it. This match likely will not have any weapons in it. So this one should have gone first. Then if you wanted to bring it up in intensity, you should bring the chair versus no chair stipulation, which I actually thought was pretty good, much like yourself. That should have been second. Third or fourth should have been this death match because now you're not rising, you're not elevating. Now you're really just being like, hey, well, people like Jericho and Huvatu back in the day, so let's just have that. 
So this segment itself, even though I'm going to I'm going to have a huge nostalgia bomb and I know it's not going to be as good as what these guys used to be, but I'm still going to love it. But to your sake, for for what you were saying, I mean, when I say I'm going to love it, I'm going to love the in-ring action. But to your point, this is like this is this is just cool shit for the sake of doing cool shit. I don't think they're trying to bury Jericho or the story. I just think they're doing it to themselves because they were probably in a writers' meeting and we're just like, uh, what should we do next? Uh, come on, come on, quick, 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 give me some ideas. But anyways, I digress. How did you feel about this next labor? I mean, you you said it. You said it. I mean, here's the here's the thing. Sure, I have a nostalgia kick for Juventud Guerrero versus Chris Jericho. Uh, I can fire up Peacock right now and actually see it when they were both fast and young and good. I don't need to see 50-year-old <laughs> Chris Jericho versus, you know, 50-whatever-year-old Juventud Guerrero. So uh, I'm sure from, a, from, a, from, you know, the tickling my nostalgia, sure. You know, I was like, oh, Juventud, okay, great. What's Juventude been up to lately? But again, you know, you, you, you said it in terms of the sequencing. You know, I, I, I would disagree slightly. I would have still started with Sean Spears first. Then you go to the nostalgia shot here. Okay, yeah. And then elevate it to the death match. The death match is the one that's out of sequence because it's it's so extreme and so to the right. Yeah. You know, so even even adding the stipulation of Jericho has to hit a top rope move. They just threw him off a freaking cage a couple weeks ago. So why is that such a big deal? You know, why would I be afraid of, you know, semi-retired 50-some-odd-year-old Juventud Guerrera after I just beat this freaking maniac with, you know, who put me through plate glass? So it, it you know, again, it, it, it's, wow, that would be cool versus exactly. how does this make sense? And by the way, you know, again, from a narrative perspective, I guess, I guess uh, MJF didn't have a whole lot of confidence in, uh, Nick Gage being able to accomplish the job because apparently he already picked up the phone and had conversations with Hooventude and already, you know, gave him whatever deal he's going to need to do to come on in and do this. Obviously, I that's heard... not what happened. But again, from a narrative, you know, Nick Gage should have killed him. Yeah. Could have killed him. So then you don't, then, you don't, then MJF could have saved his money. He didn't need to pay Hooventude. So to your point, he didn't even have to cut that promo at the end. He could have just rage quit, walked away, gave Jericho somewhat of a win, like, ah, you foiled my plan. And then next Wednesday, bring it up because now you would have a whole week because you were so confident that this was the one that was going to take him out. Yeah, just let MJF's everything except the name drop, right? Just have just just have him say, hey, you know, you know, I didn't think you were going to survive. You know what? That's fine. You still have three labors to go. And next week, I'm going to have a very special surprise for you. Okay. But Boom. immediately, I mean, he's still covered in blood. Yeah. You know, the, the blood was caked onto his face. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little more worried about the maniac with the pizza cutter and not the guy who I had a match with, you know, a, an actual wrestling match with 28 years ago. So yeah. whatever. Yeah, so I think this is so the recurring criticism we're going to give WWE is sometimes great booking, sometimes terrible booking. They'll elevate one thing while they completely destroy another thing. AEW, it seems like the common theme is booking that doesn't quite make sense because it's not meant to push along storylines. 
it's mainly used because they feel like this is the Attitude Era and they need to get those TV ratings. So they want to get as many eyeballs as they can playing kind of old school mid-90s to early 2000s type TV television production mentality in their head. You, you you said it earlier. It's it's fantasy booking, right? It, it's it's Tony Khan just doing what what candidly what I would probably do if I if I had his bankroll and, and had my own wrestling company, right? But but the the continuing hot shotting of everything, the lack of consistency in the narrative, the kind of the the changing of directions. You know, they're starting with Page, they're stopping with Page. They might be bringing people in. They're starting with Jungle Boy, stopping with Jungle Boy. Christian's gonna challenge for the title now. He's not. You know, the 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 stuff that separates a good wrestling company, in my opinion, is the fact that they're able to have self control mm-hmm. and maintain a reverence and a consistency to the narrative that they're establishing. They're blowing through specialty matches and, and feuds in a matter of weeks. And eventually that's going to catch up to you. And, yeah. the, and the crowd's going to become numb to it. And then you're just going to be left with a bunch of, you know, a bunch of talent. You're going to be, you're going to be impact at that point. <clears throat> it's just going to be impact at that point. Well, I mean, she's, he's, he's got some pretty deep pockets, but yeah, overall, what would you grade this show? Because we had a lot of D's, a lot of F's, and, you know, there was not too, too many bright spots on either side of our, our, of this, of this review. Well, you know, but, but here's the thing, right? Like, the show is oddly entertaining. Yes. At points, if I can turn my brain completely off, right? So, to me, the show was a deep. I'll give it the same grade we gave Raw a D plus. Yeah. That I gave Raw a D plus. Yeah. Um, for me, here's what I'll say. There were spots, and I think I've called a lot of those spots out, like you, that was entertained. Like Jungle Boy's entrance, where you see people having fun and singing along with the yeah. entrance and legitimately having a good time. I like that. When I was watching the television production in the beginning where I was like, where they were talking about, you know, we all got cowboys and this and that. That part I was like, dude, this looks as this. Well, at least I'm talking about the quality of the product. Yeah. Like the quality. I was like, this looks like a UFC fight. This looks like, okay, you are packaging your product great. Granted, there were some miscasts. Yeah, until you see Evil Uno doing cowboy shit. Yeah. Exactly. Until you see, <laughs> until you see Evil Uno, and then you got your heels doing things that maybe your mid-card baby faces should be doing with like the silly gimmicks. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go one tick above. I'm gonna give it a C minus, just because. Just because I was thoroughly entertained while I watched it. And it's got two bright spots that Raw did not have. And I've, I've come to this conclusion. Like, Raw, I feel like we're way more critical of because we have to sit through three hours of it. At least with this, it's two hours of guys doing cool shit for the sake of doing cool shit. There's no AR entrances. And there's parts of the show where I was legitimately having fun, rooting for certain guys, enjoying myself. 
and uh, you know there are some future stars in there assuming that the adults come two of the adults come see what's happening and real and it's going to boil down to this is CM are these two guys coming in because they want to make a fuckload of money before they go now that could be good for the product too or are they coming into this because they see something potential in something and they know they have the names, the skill, and the creativity to help make it into something significantly better than what it is? Or are they just like, fuck it, Tony, you're paying us a fike load of money. We're going to come come do some cool flippy flips and uh, get paid. <laughs> Time will tell. Exactly. Time I'm, tell. I'm hoping... Um, I'm hopefully optimistic that both guys care so much about their legacy that they won't at least let their stories be crap. But in fairness, though, when you actually go back and you look, watch the whole Raws during the Attitude Era, there were some fillers. There were some throwaway matches. There were sure. some dumb gimmicks and bad booking. Like, every era in wrestling had it. But at least they tried to tell a semblance of a story and they tried to work things in, but yeah, I think I'm rambling at this point now. Nah. <laughs> your 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 narrative right now is more coherent than the narrative that they weave through the show, sir. Yeah, no, I I agree, but I'm just like trying to like break down my thoughts because on one end I see exactly what you see, and then on the other side I see limitless potential because a lot of their stars are younger and they're doing something way better than WWE is, is which. They're at least trying to build up their young guys They in, on the AEW side because Jungle Boy's 24, MJF's only 25. Like, you have guy, like younger guys who are, who are rising. So I think they're doing that well. It's entertaining, but... Well, you know, I the one thing that keeps me coming back is that there's always nuggets, right? Yes. You know, I, I say D plus for this show. I would be willing to raise the grade on this show depending on what they do next week. Do they pay off the stuff that they set in motion this week? And unfortunately, it's just very inconsistent, and I have no faith. Like I said, I'm I'm still afraid that they're gonna have Cody beat Black clean. Damn, and Cody beating that would just bury him before he even got there because right now he comes in, he's Mystique. He's that's a badass. What that's what they do. Well, then then what would really be good for business is if Cody's not willing to do the job, have him work with somebody who is willing to do the job. And then if you want Cody to beat him, actually build him up by well, destroying half the locker room and then fight Cody. But that's the problem, right? Because like I said Cody's the, the Triple H, right? Like by by just being in the ring with me, it elevates you. You know who had a big problem with Triple H saying that? CM Punk. Yes, he did. Historically had a problem with him so. saying that. And you know what CM Punk told Triple H? He's like, with all due respect, I do not need to wrestle you. You need to wrestle me. So those are the mentalities, my brother. Hell yeah, brother. All right, so we have been bad about this, but I feel like we have such a great product now, or it's a way more entertaining product than the first two episodes. We are getting much better. Steve, where can the people at home follow you on social media? 
I'm on the gram, brother. Steve Slammer on the Instagram. You know, hey, one other thing before we get, before we close this out, I'd be remiss to not mention that you know, NXT, which we don't really do breakdowns on, but Samoa Joe is back full time. He's been cleared. And at, and at TakeOver 36, the day before SummerSlam, the same day that, you know, one best in the world might be reappearing on the wrestling scene, we have Samoa Joe challenging Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship. And then for the NXT United Kingdom Championship, we have Ilya Dragunov challenging Walter. I love Walter. I don't know if you're familiar with Walter. If you're not, get familiar with Walter because Walter is fucking awesome. Um, but with that said, you can find me on the Instagram, Steve <laughs> Slammer, and uh, you can you'll tell the folks where they can follow us to follow us both. But uh, with that, I'm going to turn this back over to you to, to take us home, sir. Take us home. Let's take this. Let's take this podcast home, baby. All right, you can follow me, Jack Slammer Fitness, uh, on the Instagram as well. We are the Slammer Bros on Instagram. We are the Slammer Bros on YouTube, the Slammer Bros here on Twitch, and uh, I am going to be submitting this to everywhere. We are going to be available wherever podcasts are available. That was a great review of AEW. In this case, you got to witness the, the opinion of somebody who's viewing the product for the first time and somebody who knows the product extremely well, so hopefully you enjoyed that because we enjoyed having you here. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will be back Saturday to review WWE SmackDown, and I cannot wait for that one because I love what they're doing with Roman Reigns right now. Tune in Roman for Reigns is not missionary position. He is not missionary position, and neither are we. No, See sir. you folks. See you folks on Saturday. Bye-bye.